Greetings, and welcome to Two Days Denarius. I'm Ron Thomas. Our nation has experienced a very turbulent week, and certainly all the things that are going on out there, uh, we need to talk about them some in reference to our faith. In fact, we're going to look closely at uh, Psalm uh, 46, and actually, one of the things that's neat about Psalm 46 is that uh, actually I want to preaching contest off of that particular passage back when I was in seminary. Um, I was actually up against a really good field of seminarians, and uh, the day came when they announced the winners. I didn't even go look to see um, to see who won or anything like that. And I asked a friend and said, well, who won this thing? And he says, you did. And I said, me? I couldn't believe that because, like I said, I and even uh, there are far better uh, preachers. Uh, I just must have had a good day or something. Um, I do this out of love. What I'm doing here, and tell you the truth, there are, there are far better um, people at this than I am. But you know what? I believe the Word of God, and I think there is something uh, to be shared. Something to be shared with the lost word uh, world. Um, I think there are Christians out there who need encouragement and spiritual growth. And I do think now uh, where we're at in our society and, and that we're at in this time, this age, uh, we really, really need to look close and, and find that true comfort uh, in Scripture and in the Word of God. Um, so having said that, you know, we we know what's been going on this week. And, you know, this isn't the first turbulent time in the world um, there have been many cycles. Obviously, there's been times of war. Uh, there's been times of diseases. Um, there's been times of political or religious uh, strife and tribulation. Uh, all these things have happened. And one of the beautiful things about Psalm 46, it, it just seems to bring it all together. Uh, it has a wonderful history. Uh, psalm 46 uh, is the uh, particular psalm that Martin Luther's a mighty fortress is our God, uh, is built off of. Um, God is our refuge and strength. Uh, I will look a little bit at that hymn uh, in a little bit. Uh, one of the neat things about the psalm and in its introduction, um, it's for Alamoth, and it's uncertain what the word Alamoth means, but one of the thing, uh, one of the definitions was that it was kind of sung by the young girls' choir. It says, "How do such noble words come?" Uh, from children, you know, um, it's a tremendous uh, thing when you think about it, if that if that story uh, be true. And I will also say there's a little bit of Shakespeare. Uh, yes, Shakespeare in uh, Psalm 46. It is said that the translators of the King James Version, uh, who were contemporary with Shakespeare, loved, loved him, loved his works, and as a birthday gift on his 46th birthday uh, they put Shakespeare in Psalm 46 and you can what you can do is uh, do not count the Silas I told you from the start don't count the Silas but uh, and you started from the beginning uh, count down 46 you get the word shakes and or you get the word shake and then if you go back at the at the end and count backward, 46, then you'll get Spear. So you have Shakespeare there. Again, that's a that's a tale, and there may be very well truth to that one. 
And in actuality, the new King James Version of 1982 held held that uh, same thing. They, it has 46 in to shake and 46 backward from the end of the psalm uh, to get the word spear. So those are some neat little anecdotes um, about uh, Psalm 46. And what I want to do today is look at some of the things about this that help bring us comfort um, as Christians. So I do want to say uh, to those who are on my podcast right now, I'm doing this two ways. I'm actually doing video on myself as well uh, for my YouTube channel. This is the first time I'm trying it this way. Um, I think it's going to work. It certainly is a big time saver for me. This is, uh, you know, kind of bivocational. Uh, so I, I am more than willing to try new things. So this may or may not be successful. I think it will be. Okay. Uh, let's look at Psalm 46 a little bit. God is, I just love the way it starts. Remember last time I on my video, I said the Bible never leaves any doubts about God's existence. God is is. There's no assumption. There's no second guessing. There's no, well, maybe God is. And God is in his essence. He is all that, and he will always be. Um, get that in your head. If, if we don't believe God is God, who he is, how, how are we going to expect any help from him? It's not going to happen, but God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible, by the way. Uh, I know the King James says, a very present help in time of need um, or in times of trouble. Uh, basically, that's talking about when uh, the squeeze of our life comes, um, that he is there, that he is that place, that place of safety uh, that we can go to. Uh, certainly with strength, there is no opposer who can overcome him. Um, and I love that it says he is always found a very present help in times of trouble. And what that in times of trouble means is, is the time of the squeeze. Like we're in a squeeze in a box and, and we feel like we have no place of escape. Now, I do think as we look at our society right now with what's happening, um, many people uh, due to the coronavirus have uh, lost their jobs Um and, uh, you know, there is economic uh, suffering right now that certainly puts people uh, in a tight squeeze uh, with the worry, with the stress that comes along with that. Um, yes, that's a big deal. And certainly now uh, with much of the uh, violence that's happening across our land, um, that's even the, uh, for some, many, uh, that's, that's even added stress. Uh, but God is always help. He is always found in times of trouble. And, and we Christians um, do have the right to come and seek our God. Uh, verse two, therefore, and, and I do want to piggyback on, on verse one, but this is talking about God's presence being with us too. We have his presence. And even though it says here in times of trouble, we know from what Jesus taught us that he said he is with us to the end of the age. That means to the end of the world, to the time uh, that he returns and, and, and for ages on for eternity. Um, so given that we're going to have trouble and trials in this world, and again, Jesus told us that as well, uh, he is still always with us and he never leaves us and abandons us. Now, verse two, uh, here's where we have uh, his protection. Therefore, we will not be afraid. Did not Jesus teach us 
do not fear. How many times were the disciples on the sea in the storm? Do not fear. And he asked them when, when uh, he calmed the seas, why, you know, and they were in shock, you know, oh, you have little faith. We got to have faith that, that one is we shouldn't be afraid. Uh, we should not be overcome uh, when the troubles of the world arise. You know, even with what's happening today, it's, it's not going to be the last time things like this are going to happen. Um, though the earth trembles, though the mountains topple into the depths of the seas, though its water roars and foams and the mountains quake with its turmoil. If you look at Psalm 93, it talks about the floods are lifted up, the floods have lifted up, the floods have lifted up. It, it starts out saying that uh, three times. And sometimes that's a picture of, of uh, in a place of trouble and, and um, almost like a death scenario. Uh, and the water's roaming and fo uh, foaming here in conjunction with the earth shaking. This is all imagery. And there is so much imagery in the book of Psalms. But you get the point that the world is shaking. Guess what? Lives shake. Lives tremble. Things can happen, and we know that can happen this nation in the nations as well. And and in many ways, there's there's pictures of that uh, here, um, without doubt. Um, but nevertheless, we're left here with a picture of God's protection because He tells us uh, to not be afraid, even though everything around us uh, is shaking. Now, having said that, it's very appropriate. It's very very necessary. Uh, that you and I pray for what's happening uh, in our world today. Um, you know what? I've been reading the book uh, called The Fundamentals. I may have mentioned it in a previous video, but The Fundamentals, uh, one of the chapters talks about revival, and it goes throughout the history of revivals, even before our nation was founded. And it, it puts in the common link in every revival uh, that has been in the United States and in other parts of the way in the world, like especially Europe, um, they were all found have one common link. They started with prayer. Somebody or some group of people uh, had such a burden on their heart to seek God uh, for revival. And what I mean by revival is a spiritual revival that God's Holy Spirit would regenerate people so they would come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And also that Christians who were backslidden uh, would come back to Christ too and, and start following him once again. And in our history, we've had some remarkable revivals, especially uh, 1734, Jonathan Edwards, uh, 1741, uh, Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield, uh, John Wesley uh, into the 1800s, Asa Helen Edelton, Charles Finney uh, were, were names associated with, with that one, um, among others. Um, after that one, we never had a real... Uh, nationwide spread revival, but there were some other movements. Uh, in uh, 1904, um, Billy Graham came not too far from having some um, in his time with the number of people that, that came to faith under his ministry, uh, especially during his peak years. Uh, but we need to pray for revival in our land. Yes, we need to pray for peace. Uh, we do need to pray uh, for justice. Uh, we need to pray that certainly, um, you know, the United States is a melting pot and we need to come together 
uh, sort of as a family and unity as a country. Um, that's very important. Um, you know, that's that's what America is. Um, from many one, that's what e pluribus una means from a national perspective. So you know what? I love the old song. Come on, people, now smile on your brother. Um, smile on, I can't even remember the words of the song. I used to love that. So come on, people, now smile on your brother. Everybody try to love one another right now. I think I got it. But that's the point. Jesus taught us to love one another, and we're going to do that. Um, I am proud uh, that I live in a, bi in a multi-racial neighborhood. And I love the people who live around me. Uh, we help each other out. We're all good to each other. And that's what America's about. That's what we need to be. We need to be there for each other. Um, okay, well, let's move on. The first four, there is a river in its streams delight the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. You know, this psalm is, is like a song. And uh, it has three parts. Uh, if you, you think of some, oh, we'll just go ahead and say rock music. Starts out the first parts uh, kind of heavy, it's faster pace. Then you have a middle portion, a bridge that's more gentle. Uh, there still can be singing in it, or it can just be music, but it's a more subtle part. And then you have the third part, which gets back into some of the movement, uh, the faster pace, or goes back to the same thing that the first part uh, said. Or, or I'm sorry, played. Um, like a rondo in classical music, if rondos are, are in three parts, similar fashion as well. Um, but you see verse four there, and all of a sudden, with all this turmoil, how do you get this peace all of a sudden? <laughs> I look at this in a couple of ways. One is God is able to bring peace in the midst of storm. And he can do that nationally, but he also can do that into our lives. And I want to say that from two respects. One is he, God is able to take care of the circumstances in our lives uh, to bring that can bring peace to us, or he can also give that peace to us while we're going through the storm. So there is a river; it streams delight the city of God. It's almost this is a refreshing thing. It's like wow! It's almost like this is out of place. No, it isn't, because this is what God is able to do. Um, God sees, he knows, he understands all the storms that go on in this world and in our lives. But he's also able to bring that calm. And certainly where he is, in his dwelling place of the Most High up in heaven, there's no doubt that, that there is that perfect peace and calm. There is a river that makes glad the city of God. And you see that too in uh, near the end of the Revelation. You, you see that there's a stream there that, that goes through uh, uh, heaven itself. And, you know, there might be some picture of that too in an eschatological sense. God is within her. She will not be toppled. God will help her when the morning dawns. That's the mighty fortress is our God. Nothing is going to take it down. Ah, I love the next verse. Nations rage, kingdoms topple. You get a little roughish again here, and then you're going to get a little calm. Nations rage, kingdoms topple, the earth melts when he lifts his voice. <laughs> Look, there are no emergency sessions. There's no heavenly security council emergency sessions. God is in control at all times of all things. And nations can rage in Psalm 2. It's, uh, Psalm 2 is another interesting psalm. It says, why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? 
the kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers conspire together against the Lord, against his anointed one. Let us tear off their chains and throw their ropes off us. We don't want God ruling over us, basically what they're saying. God, who has a right and rule in his world, mankind has shaken his fist and said, you're not going to rule over us. And we are going to throw your bonds of authority off us. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I'm sorry. that This is what our world's like today. There, this is it. Mankind has rejected God. Cast off his authority. But you know what? God has a response to that. And you can look at the kingdoms, all the kingdoms of the world, ancient Babylon, the Syria, the Medes and the Persians, Rome, uh, Greece. Should I go further? We can keep going up the scale to the kingdoms of the world. They all fell. And many of them were prophesied, prophesied the fall. And they did. God has an answer for this. It's right there in verse 4 of Psalm 2. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord ridicules them. God is not impressed. In fact, in the book of Isaiah, in chapter 40, it says the nations uh, are like a drop in a water bucket. To him. The, the, the nations, speck of dust. Have Let us have humility before God. He is so much greater than than this world. He is so much greater, uh, certainly than us, uh, than than you and me. We must bow. We must come to him in humility and and acknowledge that, and certainly be that shining light uh, in the world for him. Shine the light of Jesus Christ uh, to others. Um, verse seven says, "The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold." Now, verse 8, come see the works of the Lord who brings devastations on the earth. God is never afraid to take credit for anything that happens in this world. In fact, in Isaiah, and I think it's chapter 45, it said God brings good in the world and he also creates calamity. Uh, King James again says evil, but that word evil, when you see it, uh, sometimes means calamity. And in that case, it definitely was in a calamity sense. God... Well, you say, well, why, why, what God, what would he do that for? You know, you know, I, I don't know. And I don't have all the answers to that, but I do know mankind has a responsibility before God, uh, certainly because, um, you know, because of sin. And given that, and if, when mankind rejects God and nations are going to turn their back on him and stuff, that those kinds of things bring judgment uh, on the world. But God is never afraid to take responsibility. Do understand that. And it also says, like I said, over in Isaiah, hit, he brings calamity and, and he takes responsibility uh, for all the things that happen in this world. He allows them, he permits them. Um, but don't ever accuse God of doing evil. He may permit it, but don't ever say that he is responsible for it. No, that that is definitely, definitely uh wrong, theologically and morally as well. Um, okay, uh, having said that, he makes wars to cease throughout the earth. He shatters the bows and cuts the spears to pieces. There's that word spears, if you count 46 back in those other versions I told you about. He sets wagons ablaze. Um, 
given that, this is a good part. Verse 10, people love the be still and know that I am God. And, and basically the passage is saying, hey, stop the fighting, stop the wars and things like that. But uh, stop fighting and know that I am God or be still um, that I am God. Exalted among the nations, exalted on the earth. I love what the New American Standard Bible does. It takes stop your fighting or cease striving, um, be still, and it says in the side notes, let go, relax. Are we rested in our God? Do we know how to rest in our God? Do I, I'll raise my hand. I struggle with that at times, uh, many times. And, and I'll give a fact that maybe all of us might say that. Let go, relax. Trust your God. Be still. Meditate on what he is able to do. Given that we live in this world of turmoil right now, we like I said, I... We look at three things. We've been dealing with um, a virus for a while. And even though this thing didn't live up to expectations, it doesn't matter. It has still been a threat and it's still been something people have ne needed to, uh, to deal with. Um, we know that this is end time issues. In fact, uh, now that I'm calling this uh, um, lesson, uh, this is the age. I'm doing a series on this now because I think many of these things tie into prophecy. Confidence in God. And I know I mentioned the violence uh, that's going on right now. We know the world in the end times is going to be uh, a highly volatile place. Uh, we may be seeing it now. Things are happening very quickly in our world if you're not paying attention. The world's a much smaller place with communication, uh, uh, certainly uh, the speed of transport and all that has, has made the world a much, much smaller place, you know, 20 years ago, there was no such thing as Facebook and other things and other means of communication. Maybe there was email, um, but this all developed semi-slowly, but it's just sped up very, very rapidly since then. Um, but having said that, uh, I'm more concerned right now a little bit about one of the things that's a clear sign of Christ's coming is uh, falling away. So I'm going to take a, a couple of minutes uh, as we wind down here soon. Um I'm concerned about uh, another um, kind of high-profile Christian announced that I don't believe in God anymore. Walking away from the faith, you know, following in the footsteps of, uh, of Josh Harris oh, around six or seven months ago. Look, I want to say this to you right now. I am very, it's very discouraging. It's sad to watch people apostatize from the face. And what apostasy means is falling away. Getting on Instagram and Facebook and things like that, uh, it's not a place, it's almost like you want attention and bragging about your falling away from the faith. Jesus said, "Him who confess, he who confesses me before my father, I will confess before him and the angels in heaven. And if one does not do that, he's not going to confess them because they have fallen away. They're not believers. Uh, John talked about those who were in the church who walked away because it showed that they were never really part of us. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote um, in the last days, you know, when the perilous times will come, the one of the greatest signs was that people would be apostatizing or falling away from the faith. Some call it the great falling away. And I've never seen so many people just be so happy or relieved 
oh, I don't believe in God anymore. I don't believe in this faith anymore. You're turning your back on Jesus Christ. The only one, John 3, 16, John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and life. You're turning your back on the only one who can give you salvation. The only one who can reconcile you to God. The only one who can forgive your sins. The only one who can give you new life. There is no other. There is none. Paul in Acts 17 said, God gave the sign of who it was by raising him from the dead. And there's only one who rose from the dead. It's nothing to brag about when you walk away from God. I no longer believe in God. It didn't happen overnight. I agonized over that decision. I grew up in a church, says John, um, was it John Steinger, uh, Steingard of the Christian band Hawk Nelson, although I've never heard of them, but Oh, I'm bothered by killing. Well, the 10th commandment, the word there means murder. The word means murder. You're already misinterpreting scripture, right? You grew up in church. Your family was a pastor. What in the world did you learn in church? What were you doing in church? You didn't have Sunday school teachers teaching you this stuff. Why does Jesus have to die for our sins? A pastor kid of a Christian band ask a question like that? about Jesus dying in our place to reconcile us to God, to become our righteousness for us, because we could never be righteous before God without him. This is so sad. This is so, so sad. I look at these notes here, and, and I grieve very much with everything I read in it. I'm not looking for a debate at all. Just a chance to share my story with some hope some goods can come from it. I love you all. You want to know what's even just as bad? The Christian artists, who, when they come to find out about this, nobody grieved. They all said, oh, man, I love you. Oh, I hope your journey goes well, your, your journey of faith. Oh, not a single one said, you realize you're walking away from the only one true Savior? Do you know that you are now telling the world that you never were really part of the faith? This is the great falling away. I don't want to be too loud here, but this is what the Bible's talking about. We have had many high-profile Christians do this over the last year. Say one of the biggest ones was Josh Harris. And here we have another one. It tells me that you never had the divine and supernatural life of the Holy Spirit wake you up to begin with. You know, Christians can backslide. I acknowledge that. And every Christian I'm probably talking about there has probably backslidden. But you can't do this. Perseverance means you're going to endure to the end. You can read the doctrine of, doctrine of perseverance of the saints in the Westminster Confession, which is the best statement on perseverance ever written. And it even talks about in there how some can fall away from the faith, but they will not fall away from the faith. They will can walk away from the faith or backslide, but they will never truly fall away. Where is your heart today? Examine ourselves. Let us look into our hearts. You know what? 
You can walk in church for years and this may be you right now. In fact, this man even acknowledged that, oh, I know that I got a lot of old buddies out there in music or whatever. There's probably a lot of Christian musicians out there right now singing about a savior they don't even know. Psalm 46, friends, Psalm 46. Take your comfort in the Lord, stick with him because a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not as equal. Did we in our own strength confide? Our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the God, the man of God's own choosing. Do you ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabaoth is name from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. Whose side of the battle are you on? Get into the word of God, my friends. Serve him. Stay strong. Uh, know that he is with you. He never leaves you. And I have to leave the, uh, um, the podcast side of this right now, but I will be back with the conclusion of two days denarius in a moment. Thank you for listening to Today's Denarius.